You are listening to episode 187 of This is Type 1. Today, I'm talking with Lissy Pointer, an integrative diabetes health coach and creator of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness Coaching Experiences. Lissy helps overwhelmed type 1 diabetics gain more predictability in their blood sugars so they can finally take their plans off hold and welcome new life experiences. Lissy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the intro. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and the story of your diagnosis. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Lissy Pointer. I have been diagnosed for... It's going on nine years now. My anniversary is all on February 17th. So at the time of recording, it's only in a few weeks. So I was a freshman at Penn State University when I was diagnosed. I was in my spring semester. Everything was going totally normal. It was the one year that I didn't get my flu shot. So especially when you're on a campus with 40,000 people bound to get sick during the spring. So January came around, I got sick and I was kind of, I was going through that recovery and I started picking up on a lot of the symptoms that we kind of experience when we're diagnosed with type one, but I was leaving it off as just my body recovering from the flu. So like I was really thirsty, but I'm like, oh, my body's recovering. Of course, I just need to stay hydrated more. I'm really tired. But the one thing that really got me was that one day I woke up in the morning and I had a roommate and especially at Penn State, like the rooms are very small, like probably no bigger than my office that I'm in right now. So I I got up and I looked over at my roommate who's maybe like three, four feet away from me and her face was just completely blurry. Like I could not really see her. So that was my big warning sign. So I'm like, if this is if something's impacting my vision, I really want to figure out what's going on. So that night I called the overnight nurse on campus and like, especially again, going to such a big school, it's really hard to get an appointment at the university health services. But the one thing that kind of got me was that when I told them what was going on, all of my, I had all these cravings too. Like I, I'm not like a sweets person naturally. I was craving orange juice, apple juice, and just like all the things that were going on. They said, don't even make an appointment. Get here as soon as you can, as early as you can in the morning. And I was like, okay, so that means it's probably something serious. All of my Google searches were telling me type 1 diabetes. But when I talked to my parents, they're like, nobody in our family has it. So like, that doesn't make sense. And like, you hear all the stigma on on the internet about diabetes. So they're like, but you're healthy. Like you were an active child. How can this be? And pretty much as soon as I walked into the appointment the next morning, took my blood, had me give a urine sample. And right away, they're able to say, yep, you're you're type 1 diabetic. And been that way ever since. (laughs) You know, the more people we talk to, the more I'm just not surprised by the fact that you don't have anybody else in your family with it. Right. That was always interesting to me too. But the one thing that my mom was adopted. So we were always like, maybe there's something. But even she's met some of her family now. And still none of them have type one, but my my dad does have thyroid disease. So we're like, maybe there's some like the autoimmune response there. It's crazy. <laughs> yep. I mean, I didn't realize this until my dad passed away, but my dad's side of the family all has some kind of autoimmune. And my type one diabetes did not make sense until we learned that I'm like, Oh, well, I'm glad this is what I have versus all the other things I could have because my family <laughs> has some other autoimmune stuff. I'll stick with this one. <laughs> Right, right. We'll pick our battles. <laughs> Side question. Did you get involved with College Diabetes Network when you were on campus? 
I actually did. I didn't learn about them until about my junior year. But as soon as I learned about them, I was like, I want to find... There wasn't a chapter on campus. So I went and I connected with them and we were able to create the one at Penn State. So now they have an active chapter. Oh, that's so exciting. (laughs) For everyone listening right now, College Diabetes Network rebranded and they are now the Diabetes Link. So and we did an episode with them. It was really cool. You're awesome. I love them. (laughs) I love them. (laughs) So how do you manage your diabetes now? As far as tools, I am on the Omnipod. I'm actually on the old school Omnipod. So I have like the old birth looking one. I was just never approved for the dash through my insurance. So I've been like carrying this thing around since uh, about six months after my diagnosis. And I also use the Dexcom G6. I was very hesitant to use a CGM. First, I went on a pump because I was like, injections did not work for me. Physically, they worked, but I would kind of take that approach of avoiding eating to avoid injecting. And I knew that was unhealthy. So I'm like, I need to go on an insulin pump. I've been on it ever since. CGM was a little bit more wary about because I I wasn't sure, you know, as a young adult, do I want another thing on my body? So that took me about four years to get onto just to warm up to the idea. Looking back, I have no idea. I'm like, what did I do without all this information? Like, this is <laughs> crazy. So those are my my tools of choice. I have almost the exact same experience with the CGM. I was diagnosed when I was two and I did not get on the Dexcom until 2015. Oh, so wow. I was a very, very late comer to the CGM because like you, I didn't want to have an extra device on my body that I had to rotate. I was less concerned about it being somebody commenting about it or that kind of social pressure. I was more like, I just don't want to rotate two devices. But right. as soon as I got, it, I was like, I can't live without this. <laughs> Yeah. And when I went on, I w- there was the, the Dexcom G5, which <laughs> looking back, I hated inject. I hated putting that one on because it was the manual insertion or mm-hmm. manual, like having to put it, press it in yourself. That gave me so much anxiety. So now with the G6, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. This is a game changer. <laughs> right. So for everybody who hasn't actually seen the old G4, G5 insertions, it's literally a plunger that you have to push down with your thumb and physically put the needle into your skin. So yeah. it was it, nerve wracking. And I mean, I'm so glad that the, the G6 now, you just press a button and it just shoots it in. And I love yeah. watching kids reactions with demo ones at events. They're like tense and so like nervous about this thing going to go on them. And then they do it. It's super fast and it's so painless. Yeah, you, you barely feel it. And with the old one, it was like the faster you did it, the less it hurt. Yeah. But doing it on myself, I could not... I just couldn't do it quickly. I was too nervous. So it would be very slow and it just never ended well. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm glad that it didn't put you off the Dexcom because some people would have been like, I'm, I'm out. (laughs) Information is just too, too, too precious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your coaching practice. So you work with people who have type 1 diabetes, obviously. Why does traditional advice of just eat low carb, exercise, have a routine? Why does that not always work for us? Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about coaching. A little bit of backstory to that too is that four years after my diagnosis of type one, I was also diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So on top of having a, our condition where we have to manage our blood sugars 24 seven, I also had this condition where now I had physical pain induced when I ate certain things. So that combination of conditions of, okay, I was told to just eat low carb with my, with my diabetes. And then I was kind of added with more restrictions when it came to the Crohn's. I was reading all these different books. I read Dr. Bernstein. I'd read Dr. or sorry, there was like the anti-inflammatory diets, like all these different books. And 
it came down where I felt more restricted and more overwhelmed by food than empowered by it. So after about a year of living with Crohn's, I started kind of taking more of a holistic approach. So I started looking at things like my environment, my stress levels, my relationships, my career. And I really leaned on more of that holistic for, and we say holistic, but a lot of people hear that word and they think like, oh, you're just drinking celery juice all the time. Holistic is really just like that overall wellness of like your, what else is impacting your health? So I started kind of taking that approach and I realized that the food that I put into my body was only one component of it. These other spaces were actually impacting my blood sugars more and they were impacting my ability to self-manage my blood sugars. They were impacting my decision-making. And I noticed that actually when I was able to add in more food and feel more empowered by food, my A1C actually came down. So it went from about a 7.1 to a 5.7. And with that, I was actually able to put my Crohn's into remission. So obviously with the help of medication as well, but kind of seeing both sides that we can feel empowered by Western medication, the things that we have to take like insulin and different medications, but we can also kind of take this other approach of looking at all these different variables in our life. So that's kind of the approach that we take with our clients as well. And we say, yes, low carb works for some people. It made some people feel really empowered by food. For me, I grew up as a gymnast. So I, you know, for 10 years, I was taught carbs fuel your body, you know, always have pasta before your competitions. So for me, it felt very, very restrictive, but nobody was kind of giving me that permission that, yes, you can fuel your body more and have a positive experience in your blood sugars. So through our coaching, we want to be that one of those voices for women, women specifically, because we work a lot with the hormonal cycle as well. But we're given this advice of, you know, just stick to X, Y, and Z certain foods. And I was also told a lot that narrative of diabetes thrives off of routine. Now, again, I was diagnosed when I was in college. So routine wasn't really too possible for me. And especially, again, throw in those impact of your hormonal cycle. Even when I was doing, I was doing things the same way every single day, I was getting different results. So our whole stance is feeling empowered by the variables by understanding them will get you further in the long run. So we don't believe that there are good foods, bad foods, good workouts, bad workouts, good routines, bad routines. It's just how can you use those variables to to learn how to expect the outcome and, and take the appropriate action to navigate it. I'm not sure I've actually heard anybody say diabetes thrives on routine because our motto is that diabetes is like insanity. You do the same thing over and over again and you have to expect different results. Right. That's interesting. I, I felt like every endo I met with, they were just like, yeah, well, like, you know, take your insulin at the same time, eat at the same time, do the same kind of activity every day and like oh, you're good. No I think that's a a hallmark of the old insulins, like analog Mm -hmm. insulins, because you had to take it on such a strict schedule for it to work correctly. And so maybe those doctors are like still holding on to what they were taught in medical school. When nowadays with the human insulin aspart and and stuff like that, it's very, very flexible. Yeah, exactly. And I think that narrative just never really changed. It was just passed down, you know, generationally. And at least in my experience, that's something that I was constantly told and, and, to me, it just hurt more than it helped because I felt so just restricted until I realized that no, like I can actually learn about my body and learn about the root cause of things and take action based on that. Yeah. And it's always a good idea to experiment with those different foods to find out how your body reacts to it instead of just 
carte blanche saying, my doctor said I can't eat this food, this food, and this food, and therefore I'm not going to eat it and not figure out how to actually give insulin for it if you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. One thing that we say in our program is like, you can't learn how to bowl for the cupcake by avoiding the cupcake. <laughs> um, and whether it's a cupcake or a piece of pizza, or even like, I've had salads that really spike my blood sugars. You know, it doesn't matter what the, the food is. It, it can happen with anything. But the best way to learn how to approach something is by getting the data from it. And the only way to get the data is by eating it. Mm-hmm. My current experiment is trying to figure out salads from Cafe Rio, which they make with tortillas. So it's technically a burrito. <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> My blood sugars for the early ones were like, yeah, we're done. It's going yep. way high. <laughs> but I won't figure yeah. out how to bowl for it if I don't eat it. Yeah, exactly. My big one for a while was pad thai, but finally nailed it. Oh, man, I need to, I need to nail pad thai. My husband would be so ecstatic. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I had it on. <laughs> that was my, my uh, weekend treat this weekend. <laughs> nice. How would you describe a flexible approach to diabetes? Because we have been talking about this, this kind of flexibility with, with coaching. Yeah. So on, on a similar note of we take a, we call it a flexible centered approach. And that means that you can have more variety in your life. So to our point that we were just talking about, I don't care if it's a salad on your plate or a cupcake on your plate. I don't care if you're doing a strength training workout or you're going hiking. I don't really care what your day looks like. I want you to feel empowered to know how to approach it. So when we're talking about a flexibility-centered approach, we want people to feel like they feel empowered by that variability or feel empowered by approaching new scenarios. Because that's that's one thing that's really intimidating when it comes to diabetes, especially when a lot of our decisions come from experience. When we have experience in something, we're more maybe more comfortable or more confident approaching it. But we don't have that experience, it can feel really, really intimidating. So like for a long time, I was really scared of traveling. I was really scared of like the holidays or even just going out with friends. So I would avoid those things. But having a flexibility-centered approach, it's it's not about saying like what you can or can't do. It's just how can we develop a strategy to support our blood sugars so that we don't feel like we're checking our Dexcom every five minutes. We can remain present in the moment, but we also don't have to like throw our hands up in the air and kind of sacrifice our blood sugars. Cause I kind of got into that all or nothing for a while as well as a lot of our clients kind of start off with. So yeah, that, that's kind of how uh, we, we approach the flexibility kind of centered approach. Talking of flexibility, I'm sure there's people out there who want to add more to their lives. Although, I mean, I'm super busy right now anyway, so I don't want to add more. I kind of want to take stuff away. But diabetes adds so many decisions on top of our day that a lot of people are just scared to add those decisions that they want to do on top of that. So how would you suggest people add to their day with still managing all of those diabetes decisions? Yeah, I say start by adding one thing at a time. Like if you're somebody who right now you find really you find a lot of comfort in a low carb approach, or you find a lot of comfort in sticking to more of a routine, staying in the comfort of your own home, start by adding one thing. If it comes to your meals, okay, I have the same thing every day. What would it look like if I added one additional thing to that meal? You know, what if I added a, a banana or a muffin or I don't know, I'm just spitballing here. But what would it look like if I added one thing? Okay, how does that change my blood sugars? How can that change my decision around that experience? Because it's not just about having a set bolus for each thing. It's, you know, what questions am I asking myself when I'm approaching this meal? What are, you know, what are the different variables that I'm considering? 
I considering my activity? Am I considering my cycle? What are those different variables look like? And how does that make an impact on that outcome? And just kind of use that to change the way that you're approaching that scenario, adding one simple thing to your day. And then you kind of get into this momentum where change or new experiences no longer really intimidate you. They actually feel kind of empowering because when you maybe you don't land it the first time, but if you try it again another time and with that new information, you can make a different decision. It's like really exciting when you see that depth calm arrow like flatten out or you kind of see the data and you can say, oh, I can stay in range when when I do X, Y, and Z. So yeah, just like one thing. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to like suddenly pack up your bags and go on vacation. But what does it look like when you have one meal out? What does it look like when you try a, a different a different workout or a different activity? Just experimenting little by little. If we're talking about adding different foods to their diet or different exercises, how long do you typically recommend your clients stick with that one thing to figure it out before adding more? Yeah, that's a good question. We kind of do it on a like a person by person basis, depending on the information that they're getting. And we kind of find that it's not, it's not a set rule, like do this five times, and then you suddenly like you'll figure out how to do it. It's we look at at which that would be great if it was right. But we more so say like, okay, based on the different variables. So even day to day, like, your day can look completely different from a Sunday to a Monday, because your activity is different. But we kind of look at, okay, what are the different variables? So we use different things. Like we have our our journal, the Keep 100 journal, and that lays out different variables based on different scenarios. So based on the different variables that you experience, what's impacting your blood sugar on that day? And how can we kind of use that to make a more educated decision moving forward? So usually like if we're doing the same thing, it's maybe like three times because usually by then you have enough data to really understand the pattern. But it really can just depend on what those other variables would like. So you mentioned the the keeping one. Is it keeping it 100 or keeping 100? Keeping it 100. So okay. yeah, yeah. Is that, that's a journal, right? We have a program, then we have a journal based on the program. Ooh, okay. Tell us all about the keeping it 100 program and journal. Yeah. So first of all, that's a play on words. We do not expect everybody to have like a perfectly straight line or 100% in range. Our approach behind Keep You 100 is just that we want you to give 100% of your effort, whatever that looks like that day, and we keep it 100% real. So like we do not believe in like quick fixes or anything that's not sustainable. We're just going to keep it 100. So Keep You 100 was developed to be a... It's a 10-week hybrid coaching experience. So essentially what that that looks like is... We're giving support from all angles. We know that when you go to your endocrinologist appointment, some people feel very supported there, but sometimes you don't. That's about usually a 20-minute appointment. You're getting one perspective, and then you're left with this big gap of 90 90 or so days in between. So inside of the program, we have two community calls a week where you're getting your full panel of coaches. Myself, my co-coach Val Garcia, who's our women's wellness coach, She really teaches our clients how to understand their hormonal cycle and how that can impact their insulin sensitivity and how to work with your cycle rather than maybe being afraid of it or not understanding it. And then we have my co-coach, Jess, who is a certified diabetes care and education specialist and registered dietitian. So she's really teaching our clients how to feel empowered by food and how to take an add-in approach. So we have our two community calls a week where you're getting both of those, all of our perspectives and myself, I'm a personal trainer, health coach. So you're getting that added perspective as well. 
So yeah, we're giving our clients that kind of hybrid approach where you're getting hands-on support, you're getting individualized support, and then you're getting all the digital resources that we offer as well, which is taking you through a four-phase framework that teaches you how to reverse engineer your decision making. So how can we, you know, ask different questions that can change the outcome of our decisions? How can we change our nutrition strategy, our exercise strategy, our hormone strategy? And with that, how can we conquer those high variability areas? So like when we do want to travel or we want to eat out at a restaurant, how does that change and how can we find that balance? So that's kind of our 10-week program. And then we have the journal, which is a which is based on our program. So we notice that when you track things in typical logbooks like that you find on Amazon or just anywhere, the one that I got when I was first diagnosed is like, how many carbs are you eating? How much insulin are you taking? And then what was your blood sugar two hours after? And now we have all this information from like CGMs and, you know, whether it's Dexcom or the Libre, but I'm like, how are our doctors making so much, so many decisions around our insulin settings? When there's so many other variables that we're not really seeing from just those reports. So the TP100 journal lays out all different areas of your management. So we have sections for basal rate testing, carb ratio testing, correction factor testing, exercise, different nutrition strategy, pretty much everything under the sun. It's in there and you can see how, you know, yes, how is my insulin affecting me? But what are the other variables at play that can really impact this area? So that's the Keep 100 Journal. It's on Amazon too. It's only like 20 bucks. It's probably the easiest way to log things. <laughs> I was just looking up the the link you gave me to the journal. Like, I want that. <laughs> I'll send you one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm guessing that's your book recommendation is the the journal, unless you have a different book recommendation for the listeners. That's definitely one of them. So if you want to check that out. But yeah, I would say like other educational books that I love. I mean, obviously, Think Like the Pancreas, Gary Shiner is amazing. If you're somebody who wants to just learn more outside of Google, that would be like my number one place that I would go to. And then I actually have this one too. I have it right here. It's called The Essential Guide to Neurolinguistic Programming. I'm a NLP certified neurolinguistic programming practitioner. And the subconscious mind NLP is basically just like how our mind is programmed to work and how it influences our behaviors. Understanding that component has been the biggest game changer, I think, in understanding not only how do I make decisions in my day-to-day routine and as a person, but in my diabetes management, like how do I, how are the emotions that I'm feeling impacting my decisions? How are like, how is like the state I'm in? How can I feel more grounded to make better decisions? So that's just a really, really powerful book as well. I've always um, been kind of intrigued by NLP, so I'll have to check that book out as well. Yeah, it's amazing. All right. Where can people find you online? Yeah, anywhere. Needles and Spoons, needlesandspoons.com, which I feel like I actually didn't <laughs> explain why Needles and Spoons. I get a lot of weird looks when I say that that's the name of our coaching practice. Like I mentioned, I'm diagnosed with uh, diabetes and Crohn's. So needles comes from you know needles that we take for our insulin and spoons comes from the spoon theory, which is basically... <laughs> have you heard of it? I know, yes, I know the spoon yeah. theory. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know it, the spoon theory, you can Google it and find it anywhere. But it's basically a like just kind of a metaphor that I think it was a blogger. She has She had lupus, I think. She, it was a way of explaining to her friend how people with chronic illnesses utilize their energy on a day-to-day basis and how we had spent more energy than maybe the typical person. So that's where Needles and Spoons comes from. So needlesandspoons.com on Instagram, needlesandspoons underscore. 
All right. We are going to link to all of that stuff in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. All right, listeners, remember, you control your diabetes. It does not control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.